Hello, this is Christopher Eck. I am the lead pastor at Bethany Covenant Church in Bedford, New Hampshire. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this message inspires, helps, and encourages you as you seek to live your life with Jesus. For more information about our church or to support the ministry, visit BethanyCovenant.com. Enjoy the message. What are the family stories that are told around the campfire when you're driving in the car or sharing a meal together? Does your mother or father retell the story of how they met? Do they talk about their very first house and how they got the house that you're living in now? Does your father and uncle talk about their campus pranks that they pulled? How about the family story about how you all attended a wedding when something funny happened? But what about the stories that aren't told? How your parents met? How you ended up living in this house? How your dad was arrested because of that college prank? It's interesting when we look back and listen to the stories told, how they can capture our minds and develop a sense of belonging. They fashion our character, especially when a family talks about service, honesty, and helping others. Did you know that I had a relative come over on the Mayflower? Does that make me a pilgrim? But what about the stories left untold? Would they speak of embarrassment, pain, betrayal, or disappointment? Last week, we were warned about Samson's revenge tour and how he failed to live up to his God-given potential. And I want to thank you. We have been receiving many comments from you that this summer series, Road Trip, looking at biblical characters and the lives that they lived, has been so impactful that you've been reading the Bible and looking at the accounts that we've been preaching on. So keep sharing what you're learning from God, not only with us, but with your family and friends, so that other people can follow Jesus together. There's a difference between the Bible stories and the family stories that we tell. The Bible doesn't hold back. It tells the good, the bad, and the ugly events of people's lives. Today we're going to travel back to an early reality TV show. Well, if there was an early reality TV show similar to Bachelor or Bachelorette, it would be called The Well. Now first off, you have to know that there are many accounts about wells in the Old Testament. You have people digging wells. You have people fighting over wells. You have people gathering around the well for a community gathering. You also see today that people would go to a well to meet a spouse. In fact, there's three different times in the Old Testament that we see well encounters that led to marriages. The first one we're going to unpack today is the travel story of Rebecca. The second is about her son, Jacob. Jacob went back to Rebecca's village probably went back to the exact same well where Rebecca was discovered by Abraham's servant. And as he's waiting at the well, he sees Rachel, and then they get married. And then centuries later, when Moses is on the run from Egypt, he goes to a well and sees Zephorah there, who's being attacked by raiders. He drives off the raiders, and then Moses and Zephorah get married. So who needs internet dating when you can go to a well and wait? So let's look at this family story told about Rebecca and Isaac. 
Let's turn to Genesis chapter 24, and I'm going to read about her lifetime journey. We're going to look at Genesis 24, 1 through 10. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can go get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you are released from the oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim in his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside of the town. It was towards evening, the time when women would go out to draw water. Did you catch Abraham's faith? How he spoke of God? He blessed me in every way. Abraham was close to death, and yet he still believed God was not done, that the Lord would bless him with grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren and many generations to come. He believed that the Lord would give him children that were more numerous than the stars in the sky. He also knew that Isaac wasn't getting any younger since Isaac had been taking care of him as he lay on his deathbed and also his wife Sarah, well advanced in age. He knew it was time for Isaac to get married and to have children so that God's promise would continue through him that they would have more offspring than the sands on the seashore. So there was Abraham's trusted servant, probably Eleazar, who was given the charge, you are to get a wife for Isaac from my homeland, from my own relatives, not from the Canaanites. Don't, don't get a local woman for him because they worship other gods. And I don't want one of them to lead Isaac into idolatry. Isaac is to follow our God, our one and only true Lord, the Father of all things maker of heaven and earth. So go to my homeland and find a wife for him. But don't take Isaac there because he could get hurt, captured, or killed. Or he might stay there and never return to the land God has given us. So at the highest pledge possible, he swore by the Lord, God of heaven and of earth. And he set off for the long journey from Canaan to Ur, over 300 miles probably closer to 400 miles, with 10 camels loaded with the finest goods. He traveled to modern-day Iraq. 
And he shared that same infectious faith that Abraham did. So that when he arrived, the very first thing he did was he prayed. Picking up in verse 12. Then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing by this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. She says, drink, and I'll drink. And then she'll say, let me water your camels. Let her be the one that you have chosen for your servant, Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Eleazar had learned to walk in step with God, to pray, develop plans, and then trust the Lord with the results. It was a regular practice in the day that the young women of the village would draw water from the well twice a day. They would go in the morning and again in the evening. So there he was. The camels were kneeling down, and he watched, and he waited. And many of the young women came, and as they started to draw water and share stories among themselves, it happened. But no, there was no beauty contest, no interviews. He had not sent advanced correspondence to the parents of these young women. But it was through prayer, through trust and observation that he picked the woman the Lord chose. Picking up in verse 15. But he had finished praying. Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Melchah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered her jar in her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well, drew more water, and drew enough to fill all the camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. A few years ago, I got a call from a young man at church, and he asked me to recommend the woman for him to marry. Now I thought to myself, okay, I'll go through the church profiles of all the single women, and I'll recommend one woman for him. Now don't worry, I did not do that. In fact, I sent him on his way without giving him any names. Later, I learned that he took his own actions and corresponded with a woman in Russia and got her brought to America. After that long journey, they got married, and then shortly she divorced him. She came to America, got what she wanted, and left him brokenhearted. That is a much different tale when we see someone acting on their own versus the servant. He prayed. And as he was praying, Rebecca showed up. Can you imagine that when he gets up and he sees her, and not any other woman that was gathered at the well, apparently all the other women were engrossed in their stories and did not see this traveler. But he saw something different in Rebecca, how she carried out her work with joy 
and he asked her for a drink. And she gave him a drink and then said, let me water your camels as well. Now this is where the camera would zoom out slowly to see one camel, two, three, then four, and then ten camels. Now ten thirsty camels after the long trek would be needing lots of water. We learn that she probably had a five-gallon jar and that a thirsty camel can drink up to 25 gallons and that she had to go down, probably steps to the well where the camels could not go and fill her jar and then come back up the steps and fill the trough. She probably had to do this 50 times to go down the steps, fill the jar, up the steps, fill the trough, down the steps, fill the jar, up the steps, fill the trough, hearing the slurping camels drink away. At the end, she would have been hot and tired. And it's here that Abraham's servant thanks her with jewelry. Then he says, who's your father? And she answers him, I am the daughter of Bethuel. And she goes on to say, we have plenty of straw for the camels and room for you to spend the night. Now, if it wasn't enough for her to fill those camels with 25 gallons of water, she welcomes him home to meet her father and to stay with her family. This would have further affirmed that this was God's choice for Isaac because like Abraham, she had a high value of hospitality. She had no beauty treatments but yet her inner beauty was radiating with kindness, joy, and hospitality. And she saw this stranger and offered him a drink and then served him with a spirit of faithfulness, knowing that no matter how long it took, she would fill those waters with camels. Now, getting ready for today's sermon, I asked a friend of mine about his RV and how much water his RV would take. And he said 45 gallons, and it takes an hour or two to fill. Now imagine how long it took her to fill those camels. It probably took many, many hours. So the question that I have for all of us is, when we see someone in need, are we willing to go to great lengths to help them? Do we take time and pray to be used by God and to see him lead us to ways to offer help, to support, and to encourage? Now, do you see what happens next when he's invited to go to her house? He kneels down and prays. He worships God and thanks the Lord for answering his prayer. This should be the very first thing that happens to us when God moves. That when we get a job offer and we accept it, instead of calling everyone else and telling them, I got a new job, first we should stop and thank God and praise him. When we get a good grade, when we move into a new house, do we thank God and offer him praise? This is what we should do when Jesus moves and when we grow in our faith. The very first thing is to thank him for what he's done and how he's provided. And then we go on to find out that the servant joins her at her home. And not only does he tell Rebecca, but he tells her father and family and her brother how God had delivered her to this place, to this village, to Abraham's very family, and that Rebekah is God's choice to marry Isaac. Now, on a side note, I want you to know that when you're interested in someone, you should not tell them, God told me that we will get married. 
No one needs that spiritual pressure. But we see here that Abraham's master is not looking for a wife for himself, but he's on a mission to find a wife for his master's son, for Isaac. And as he is praying, the Lord answers. We see that the servant was in step with God, that he would pray, develop these plans. The women would come out at the end of the day and fill their jars with water. That would be the place that I would wait. But yet I would ask for even more than a regular practice of offering a stranger a glass of water, that I will wait and see one that offers extraordinary hospitality by offering to water my camels. And that was Rebecca. It was almost like God had a huge white arrow pointing to her, saying she is the one. And as they heard this account, they all agreed, yes, take Rebecca to Isaac, but stay a while. They wanted him to stay there. But he said, no, I need to leave right away. It's been a long journey. We must go. And then something surprising happens. Rebecca's father allows her the choice. He does not do what most patriarchs do and make the decision for her. He says, Rebecca, do you want to stay a while or go right away with him? And in the same faith that Abraham had, she responds, I will go. Beginning her journey of a lifetime. She would never come back and see her family. She would never see where she grew up. She would leave the local boys that were the unfortunate maybe other options if she didn't go with the servant and find this mysterious man, Isaac, to become her husband. So she leaves. And as they begin this journey of a lifetime and travel back to Canaan, she's introduced to Isaac and they get married. Now you have to understand, Isaac was 40 years old and she was likely 15 to 20 years old. So there was a large age gap between them. But Abraham and Isaac had died and went on to be with the Lord, leaving Isaac and Rebekah to be the ones to lead their family and their clan. And the Lord blessed them as he had blessed Abraham and Sarah. And as they continued to grow in their faith, God continued to love them and they loved each other. But then something happened. The same thing that happened to Sarah was happening to Rebecca. A year went by, no children. Five years, no kids. Fifteen years, still barren. She wasn't able to conceive. There was no children after 20 years. She may have been in despair and she may have lamented, why can't I give them any children? There'll be no heirs. God's promises to Abraham will have ended with him. She might have thought, if I only stayed home, maybe then I would have had children. Why did I get brought all the way to Canaan and not to be able to have babies? But something about God that we learn in the Bible, because there are many women in the Bible that could not conceive. We learn that Sarah and Rebecca were two of the women Elizabeth is another one. There are many women in the Bible that had to wait on God's timing and not on their own. Teaching us patience that we are not to act and allow God to carry out his plans, his promises when he chooses in that faith that he will do it. And then they were able to conceive and they had twins. They had Esau and Jacob. And then their focus on God shifted to the children. 
And what started with great promise that she had faith like Abraham chose into division within the family and deceit. You see, Isaac had a favorite son, and it was Esau. And she had a favorite son, Jacob. And that caused them to part as husband and wife. To the point that years later, when Esau was hungry, he gave his birthright to Jacob. And then when Isaac was on his deathbed, ready to give his blessing to Esau, Rebekah devised a plan and she was deceitful and told Jacob, you go in and get the blessing. And Jacob carries out this plan only to not only receive the blessing from his father, but to have Esau get mad to the point that Esau threatens to kill him. So Jacob has to flee. So there's consequences to the disruption of the family, to the deceit of Rebekah. She will never see Jacob get married or the children that he has. She's left to live her life with Esau. There's something sad when we start off on the right foot that we can be faithful and see God carry out his plans as a servant. And yet for her, taking God's blessing, twin boys, they show favoritism to the sons, causing them to be divided, no longer seeing God care for them, coming up with her own plans that I know better than God, that I'll make Jacob get the blessing, and then Jacob has to flee and go on their deception to the point that he doesn't get the wife that he wants because he showed up at the same well and there was Rachel who he found beautiful and wanted to marry. Rachel's father deceived him and he had to marry her sister first and then he was able to marry Rachel and he had two wives and between the two wives he had 12 sons and those 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel advancing the promises that God gave Abraham it was like the multiplication factor went to Jacob times 12 through his sons. And we are here today as the offspring of Abraham, fulfilling God's promises to the generations, that the generations would be more numerous than the stars. Now, as we look at this account, we have to think about our life journey. Where is God leading us? Are we keeping our eyes open to see who is in need, who needs help, and taking time to stop. Who needs their camels watered? Who over this summer or in this fall could appreciate your time and you could serve them significantly? Are you praying and telling about God's stories of how he provided for you and provided for your family, provided a job or a child or a house or a college to attend? Because that servant told everyone about what God was doing and how he provided. There's something when we grow and we share with others how God provides for us that they join us in following Jesus. So may this rest of the summer you read accounts like Genesis chapter 24 and following to learn not only about Rebecca and her journey, but about her children and their journeys. May the Lord bless you and strengthen you as you join Jesus following him faithfully. Amen.